Happy Hump Day, everyone. I am Brian O'Neill. And I'm Coach K. Together, we make up Queen City Poly, a podcast dedicated to discussing polyamorous relationships and other forms of ethical non-monogamy. Due to the explicit content of this podcast, we would advise you to listen with headphones or while you're in your vehicle. Or don't. I can't tell you what to do. Enjoy the episode. Oh, yeah. So we're live this Wednesday. From the living room. Oh, yeah. Got our coffees intact. Lattes from Central Coffee in Plaza Midwood. Shout out to Central making these beautiful lattes. Mm. And you'll probably tell that we'll get more awake sounding throughout this recording. I'm up, man. All right, well, me. <laughs> I am up. Got my good sleep last night. A little hungover with the medicine, but other than that. Mm. Good stuff. I got the energy. Feeling good. How about yourself? I'm up. You know, we st- we have to find that sweet spot of recording. Because if we do it too far in the evening, I'm tired. Too early in the morning for you, you're tired. The afternoon is just, well... We always make other plans. Yeah, something yeah. is always going on. But we try to make time for you all. Make sure that we get the info out. I know you all are uh, noticed that sometimes we don't meet our quota for a podcast every week. But we've been trying. Doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Shit is hard. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first started, I was like, I didn't think, like, producing weekly content is difficult. Yeah. Like filling the time. Consistency is a hard thing mm. to do. It really is. And if you want to be consistently good. Yes. So that's just us going through the process with y'all. But thank you for listening. But we're uh, making a commitment this week and we are on the couch. And we're on schedule, baby. That's why I like mm-hmm. starting a week off good. I um, I'm trying to like do some YouTube videos on my own, where I do updates about my life. So that's something. Nice. But I'm only doing that monthly. I can't handle too many weekly. Yeah, that's things, a lot. You know. Yeah. So I just try to do things monthly as they come. So it kind of makes me accountable to put stuff out there. I just I just hate looking at my face. Oh, my Lord. But I'm getting better at it. You know something I realized last night while I was high? I need therapy. <laughs> You're stupid. I just came that to the realization. That you realize that you say all the fucking time. It's not like you realize that. Well, I was like, wow, I should really, like, try. You know, because I've been, like, just talking about it. Like, you know, I should probably make an effort to figure this thing out to get therapy whatever that means <laughs> <laughs> oh man good times combat mm. those negative voices mm-hmm. how are you uh 
holding up? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I learned uh, I learned something when we went out the other night. What did you learn? I learned that... So we went out the other night. Yep. And... We were in a group of people that... Mixed group. People that know us, people that don't know us. Yeah. And... You were... You know, obviously everyone in the group knew that we were together. Right. Then halfway through the evening... You started getting pretty touchy-feely with another person. Right. And I realized... Well, I mean, I already knew I didn't really have a problem with that. Um, But... I realized the most annoying part about that for me... Is that I inevitably get Mm. all of the questions... Even though you're the one touching somebody. True. Her and I had a discussion about that last night, too. Did you? Oh, yeah. Because she, like, I was telling her about everything. She was like, yeah, like, in my mind, like, I knew it was okay. But at the same time, she was like, I don't know if I would be okay if I was her. Mm -hmm. And it was just, she sees how, like, weird it was. She blames it on the alcohol, but she was like, whatever. But, yeah, she was really like, damn, like, I don't think I could do that. Like most mono people say and do, you know. Right. But. And I feel like when, when, you've, when you've been, when we've been in that situation and you're dating more poly people, I feel like there's a better... Probably a better balance. Yeah. Slightly more communication. It's not a lot of questions from other people. Doesn't feel as stunted to, I mean, I don't know. We would go from, like, talking to y'all are over there and, I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, it was like they were looking for us and then we came around the corner kissing or something like that. Well, we wanted to make sure we had the whole group before yeah. we went to the car. And y'all two were missing. Mm. And so, um, no one, no one like made us wait. Mm. I was going to wait to make sure you guys got around the corner. And when you came around the corner, you were like, whatever, kissing, whatever. And then the whole ride to the car, or the whole walk to the car I got, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to have you wait and see that. And I'm like... Oh, she was saying that? Yeah. Uh. Not, well, no, not the person you were kissing. Oh, the other person. Yeah. Okay. The person whose party it was. Oh, gotcha. Um, oh my god, I, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, it's not a problem. Yeah. And I still got the I'm sorry's. I can see how I can be, though. Like, because everyone's just putting their, how they would feel onto you. I get it. But now I got to deal with her feelings. 
Yeah. Like, I'm I'm already watching my partner with someone else. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. But it's already it's a still thing something I'm that you watching. gotta like process. Now I gotta go comfort someone else. Yeah. And let them know everything is okay. And then um the then later on in the evening when another person saw you guys later mm. at the other bar, I, I got the I got the whole Oh my god, is that okay with you? Like, <laughs> first of all, have you been here all night? Yeah. I'm I'm five feet away from them. I'm pretty sure it's fine. And it was just obnoxious. And she's like, oh my god. And then she was she took it in a different direction. She, when I said yes, she was like, oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> and I I don't do drunk, annoying drunk women very well. But um, at at that point, it was late in the evening. Maybe she was just curious. She was, but it was just kind of like, it was a lot of drunk excitement question stuff, and I just didn't mm. want to deal either. And then it was like this assumption that, I don't know, it was a weird question. Like, our friend was the funniest. He was just like, she's not fighting her, so yes, right. she's obviously cool. <laughs> right. That's not the type of person she would be, like, just chilling there. Um, I don't know, it was interesting. learn more as we grow in polyamory but how do i get those questions to to lessen what's what's the clap back to, for me to not have to oh man i don't know because it's just like once people see it and get interested it's hard to like turn it off or let them know like yeah but it kind of yeah. reminded me when i got the breakup uh speech from your ex-girlfriend yeah when i didn't even date her I got the shoebox with all the belongings and the speech. How the fuck do I keep getting it? And then when you make out with somebody, I get all the questions. Like Yeah, that's true. Like, no one asks me anything. They're like, hey, what, what do <laughs> no you guys No one said doing? anything to me. Right. No one said anything. It's really odd that I think about it. No one said anything to me. What is that? Some male privilege and polyamory type stuff or something maybe I don't know but it's uh that is wild now I think about it like no one actually said anything to me or her for that matter that I saw yeah it's pretty obnoxious though yeah cause I'm already like I can see that at a party where I don't have a second partner right. there and now I gotta engage in multiple conversations with people about what you're doing the whole time instead of just being at the party and like you didn't, getting to know people separately. You didn't know that as a polyamorous woman that you would be the ambassador. I'm fine talking about polyamory, but not when it's like, oh my god, I can't believe you know your boyfriend's right there and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Is it just annoying to talk about or? It's just. What does it remind me of? It reminds me of when you tell a joke on stage uh, that people don't like or find offensive or might be about me-ish, kind of, not mm-hmm. really. And people people look at, like, instead of just laughing at the goddamn joke, watch me laugh at the goddamn joke, I get 
this awkward ass conversation, people turn to me and are like, "Are you okay?" No, oh, it is weird. And they act like it's the first time I've ever been not it, like they've seen me in multiple rooms, constantly watching your comedy, and I mean, and even the ones that haven't. Obviously, I know you're a comedian. I've heard your jokes before. Um, you know, if you tell the white girlfriend joke, I get I get these weird ass looks and then comments like, "Are you okay? I can't believe he said that." And I, like, I'm fine with the joke. I'm fine with being in the room with the joke. I'm not fine with those goddamn conversations. They're so annoying. Yeah. Uh, I'd prefer the random so you're the white girlfriend at the end of the night I'd prefer <laughs> that to those fucking conversations of are you okay did that offend you no I think it's again just people taking what how they would take a joke or a statement about someone's life and interpret it as their own and then say well if I'm if I would be offended about this, then she must be too. So I, I know, but it's kind of like take some social cues. Like I'm not shaking in the corner. Like right. can we just have a conversation and laugh about it together instead of like you? Ch- I don't know. I guess I get uncomfortable when people check in with me. Yeah, you don't like the check in, <laughs> especially when it's unfounded because it makes me feel like I have to do all this emotional labor to make them feel like I'm okay. Yeah, it does take a quite a bit out of you to explain things and to talk about stuff that you don't quite have an interest in I'm fine talking philosophically about polyamory or comedy or whatever but I I don't like because people don't believe me when I say I'm fine or Mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me or whatever again no one really asks me about the white girlfriend joke I'm getting all of it it's not cool what is that smash the patriarchy is it pa- is it patriarchy? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't know what that's umbrella that's under. So in today's episode, yeah. Oh, that sounds terrible. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so in today's episode, we wanted to talk about this viral tweet. I ended up seeing it on Facebook. Um, through one of the groups that I follow, shit, I'm a part of, I don't know how groups work. You're in, you're in the group. It's like a meme group kind of thing. It's a group for memes? It's a group for toxic, toxic monogamy memes Uh, in particular. Gotcha. It's pretty lovely. Um, a lot of people don't want to kill their spouses. Um, Mm. you know, getting out all that. Yeah, get that hate out. Rage, I guess. But, uh. So I found I found this viral tweet, and then when I was going back through to try to find the origin of it, I I found out that the the photo of the tweet that I saw was not the original tweet, um, but this particular Facebook post was shared in late January by a model based out of Miami. She posted this picture of a tweet. Uh, with the caption, I can't stress this enough. And it got over 8,000 reactions, more than 10,000 comments, and 117,000 shares. And a lot of the comments were just people tagging their significant others. So it wasn't like people fighting about 
that it was wrong. It was people identifying with the with the tweet with oh, the message. Boy. And then when I found the origin of the the quote, the I I came up with a viral tweet from another model, Shay Ajani, on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Kid Gemini, mm-hmm. from November 2018, and the tweet got a hundred hundred over a hundred thousand retweets and over three hundred fifty thousand likes. So it uh, it did pretty well back back in November as well. Okay. And people are uh, people are feeling some things about this quote. It's one of those quotes where. Like, I've seen something like this before. Like, are these, like... It always sounds like it comes from people that have never really been in relationships. It does, right? Would you like to read it? Yes. <clears throat> would, would you like me to give the uh, Twitter handle? Not that one, because that one's not accurate. I already did the Kid Gemini. All right. So, the meme says, The honeymoon phase doesn't exist when you fall for someone who is dedicated to making you feel loved and admired the entire time you're theirs. Stop normalizing the loss of affection in, a, in relationships. That is a choice, not a phase. Period. Period. So, stop normalizing the loss of affection in relationships. The honeymoon phase should never die. I don't like to use the word never. That's pretty much what it says. Yeah. If you if you love them, the honeymoon phase won't die. And you should choose to fall for someone, because apparently you choose that. You should choose to fall for someone who is dedicated to making you feel loved and admired all the time. Oh, boy. Essentially. So, you when you think about this, you think about some 15-year-old that's never been in love. Yeah, it's like those like just phrases when people are like, or that like, when I get perpetually married, single woman who's like pining about t- thinking about relationships and she's writing all this mess. Right. Or he is. Or the the man men do it too. Or the yeah, like the people that post that meme or quote where it's like, when I get married, there's no such thing as a divorce. We're just gonna you're gonna go to your separate corners and in a timeout before we can we're. So we can like work this thing out or something like that. They make it sound like all these people didn't love each other, right? Or something like divorce was just like a sign of weakness or some sort. It's like, yo, like if you're in a toxic ass relationship, like you gotta get the hell out. Like, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, you can only control yourself in that relationship. And yeah, you know, maybe your partner stops trying and, and becomes a really toxic partner. It's not all willpower, yeah. And then when it comes to abusive relationships, like you shouldn't always blame yourself for choosing the wrong person either. Like it's not like, well, you did this to yourself because you chose this person. That's not a healthy reaction to that. Not at all. But you did say at one point that and as a man I can't say it because I sound like a misogynist asshole. But it's like the women that repeatedly get in no, I didn't say the women that I think I said that people right. like anytime you see a pattern in your relationships, men or women, you need to think about that pattern and what you're attracted to. And I mean, 
I was watching Red Table Talk yesterday, and, and Jada was talking about how there's this interesting point sometimes with some of your self-growth where you start that there's people that you used to be attracted to that aren't even attractive anymore and like you're attracted to a whole new type of person Mm. um sierra was recently on and she was talking about her relationship with russell wilson Yeah. yeah and um just talking about how calm she feels around him mm. Okay. And, you know, prior to that relationship, she might not even liked that feeling. But at that point in her journey, she w- really fell in love with that peace and that calm. And, and Jada was just talking about, like, yeah, that, that's a place sometimes you get to spiritually within yourself. Not necessarily, but just how you're relating to the world mm-hmm. um, where that's an attractive thing to you. Because some people are addicted to the chaos of relationships. Oh, yeah. People like a little controversy. To that doesn't go. mean they want to be abused. Right. But some people like the uh, the the tussle between me or that person trying to control the other person or not accepting. It's one thing, like, sometimes you just got to accept people for who they are and not trying to change them and just kind of... Right. And sometimes, you know, the chaos helps them feel a passion or feel loved or feel whatever because it goes back to kind of meditation because they're uncomfortable with that silence because it's bringing up all this trauma or this like you know bad karma shit that they haven't worked through and they don't like the quiet they don't like the calm because then they got to deal with their own shit and they got a lot of it so they need the chaos to kind of throw up that veil and, and distract them have to be able to be in silence and be alone. Mm-hmm. We don't always want what's best for us, right? Oh, that is definitely true. And then we blame the other person when we still feel that way when they're with us. Right. It's not these black and white issues. Yeah. And I'm so excited for next week because they're going to have Esther Perel on. Oh, yeah. And We she... should make an episode just oh about gosh. discussing that. Yeah. Doing that, definitely. You know? I'm so excited. And then the episode after that... They're going to talk about this triad that Willow follows on Facebook. The Thrupple. Instagram. They call it Thrupples, I think. They might have called it a Thrupple, but... I told you, man. I knew it. They're the face of polyamory. We, well, we already knew that, but it's like... Yeah. A, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm crossing my fingers that it's at least people's, open. People's couples privilege will switch over to the Thrupple privilege or whatever and like uh that's their, but just because that's, that's their the, that, window be into the, it that's gonna be the new american dream but my whole thing is we meet people that don't know much about polyamory don't know much about open relationships it's not like they need this great conversation when like they're not I mean, yes, they're confused, but they're not, like, they're not that stunned when they hear about us. They might not be ready to, you know, go out and do it themselves or want to do it themselves, but we're just out here showing people, you know, our version of freeform polyamory, and they're fine. They catch on just fine. It's not like the monogamous people can't hear our story. Yeah. They don't need it to be a thruple for them to get it. Kids don't need a thruple for them to get, oh, 
they just love multiple people. That's cool. True, you don't need a throuple to get it, but it's just pleasing to the eyes. And it seemed like it's like when they I think it's visually easy. Yeah. It's visually easy to see like people like in love. How it might work when like doing Yeah, of course it's easier when they're all dating each other. Yeah. I mean well I mean maybe not physically to find that or do that, but it's easy to all view at the same time. Yeah. I've learned my lesson. I personally don't even like post things like personally anymore too much. Other than like if it's like with you, because like people understand like or know you, but you know, I'm not posting my other relationships as much anymore, just because it's just a shit show. Is that just because now you have more of a waiting period, or just in general? I mean, I guess so. But it's like, a, I don't know, it's kind of like if I was just a monogamous person, it's like, you don't want to like start posting those like couple type photos until you know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, this person's like around for a while and have to deal with the questions because the last thing you want to do is post photos and then a week later, like it broken up and it's like, well, what happened to this girl? What happened to that girl? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, that's how dating happens sometimes right right so right you guys just been staying low key because i used to want to be very visual polyamory face of polyamory not quite anymore like still like with the podcast and everything and i can talk about it but i'm not all like you know be all up in my relationships try to keep them a little private these days yeah, because you, you never realize until you get all the questions how many people follow you and look at your shit. Yeah. And just the amount of people you're giving that info to. It's not real until something like that happens and you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. everyone knows this thing because they're creepers on my oh, yeah. Instagram and Facebook or something. Oh yeah, people, people are watching. Yeah. So is Big Brother. All right, well... <laughs> All right, so another thing on this. All right, so uh, into it. stop normalizing the loss of affection in a relationship. I actually see this part of the meme in a different light where I kind of agree with the, like... I think there's a grain of, grain of truth in here. Yeah, like, I do like how... I mean, I don't like how we've just been okay with, like... Especially in monogamy of, like, oh, that's the old ball and chain. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I love her, but Jesus Christ, I want to kill, kill her. her. You know, the wife. Oh, you mm-hmm. know. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of tired of oh, that. Oh, you married, so you know, there's no. Oh boy, I, we get that a lot in the <laughs> comedy scene too, because like, there's a lot of comics that do that. Very stereotypical, very predictable. Oh, you're married, so you're sexless too. Like mm. automatically sexless because you're married. It's like yeah. that is not something that I think should just be seen as like an absolute correlation truth. It's just been so normalized. And that's one thing I learned when I went, that's why I kind of do enjoy relationship type uh, like workshops and stuff, which I feel like I said this before, we should try to attend more things, even though they might be monogamous based, 
some of the stuff, like even the therapy stuff, are good for just connecting with relationships and people. Yeah. Rebuilding, connecting in different ways. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, you shouldn't, like, just lay down and just allow, like, relationships are very active. And. Right. And I I feel like people should. They should feel free to talk about the hardships of a long-term partnership and a marriage and to commiserate a little bit but at the same time I think I think there is something to this of back when we did that episode I forget which number it was uh, when enough is enough we talked about how in any relationship that's that that's ever was at any point any good you know it's not like you just wait until it's all bad to leave mm-hmm. you know when you decide to leave there's going to be some good qualities even the most abusive relationships like there's a reason why you're staying cuz cuz you're waiting for it to just be all bad and that's not really how it works yeah it doesn't ever get hopefully all bad you care about this person. You love this person. There are good things. Yeah. Sometimes there are really good things that make you want to stay. And you have to kind of know what's toxic enough to be a deal breaker or a relationship ender type situation. And then, I mean, on previous podcasts and in and, and previous conversations we've had, we've talked about counseling and how a lot of people enter into it too late because they wait for shit to get bad before they ask for help yeah so this kind of goes into that normalizing the loss of affection like we've normalized the loss of affection so much that you know they're not taking some of this loss of affection as a warning Mm -hmm. yeah it's just become normal to to have that loss of love or I mean I, I've heard of like love like kind of like transforming so like the love that you have in the beginning is not the same love that you have like a few years in because it becomes a little bit more compassionate love instead of like that lusty love but yeah but there's ways to like tap into certain lustful things and because that is a big part of it I mean that's why most people cheat it's that excitement yeah, the novelty. You know, and... And you can create that with your partner. Yeah. And I think there's also something to being in a long-term relationship, especially a monogamous one, where... Especially if you add in marriage labels and stuff, where you just feel so comfortable and so secure that you do feel like you can just let go and not try... And that's really dangerous to for a, like of a position to just kind of stay in. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm married to him. He's stuck with me forever, and I can do whatever. Kind of like, or vice versa. It's it's a dangerous place to be in mentally because you're not challenging yourself to be a better person, and he's not challenged to be a better person, or you're not even challenged to take decent care of each other. It's just, well, he promised. Well, she promised. 
Yeah, it's just like it starts to seem like a obligation, an obligation or a sentence of some sort that you have to carry out, and no one wants to live like that. Like that's not living. Yeah, I have a problem with this idea that someone that really loves you is their life's mission is to is to be dedicated to making you feel loved and admired all the time. Like no one is on this earth. To support just you. People have their well, own lives. Well, that's what people think parents are. That too. They think that parents are just there to to dedicate. You know, I mean, we're, we're not parents, but I've seen on the outside where it looks like a lot of judgment is placed on parents who try to live, you know, normal, like regular lives and have interests outside of their children. Mm-hmm. And... You're not at everything all the time. Yeah. You start to get like a little parent guilt or something like that, which I'm sure is a thing. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a constant balancing act, right? But it's part of that being healthy individually. Because at the end of the day, we're all individuals. Right. You, You know, you can't break everyone down and you'll end up with a bunch of couples or triads or something at the end of the day it all goes back to individuals <laughs> really just do a bellow at it <laughs> good stuff yep <laughs> we're all individuals and the individual needs to be cared for, but it's no one's job to make you feel anything. You need to be a healthy, happy, secure person by yourself, and and that job is mostly yours. You know, your partners, your partner shouldn't, you know, be abusive and make it worse, and they should add value to your life and yeah. and be this, you know, force in your life that is supportive and does you know make you feel loved and and even admired but mm-hmm. it's not their job yeah it's not yeah you have to and they can't they and... can't do it without you being okay yourself like th- yeah. there's no amount of sh- and especially when you feel dead in a relationship when you really feel depressed or isolated or just shitty there is no amount of affection your partner can give you that can pull you out of that. Yeah. You need to do the work. It's kind of like when you talk about uh, counseling and people in therapy. Like, the therapist isn't the one doing the work. The client is the one doing the work. The therapist is just there to help with the tools. But at yeah. the end of the day, you're congratulating the client for doing the work. Yeah, it's... uh. The therapist is like kind of like a guide of some sort to kind of keep you on track, almost like a trainer, you would say, for your mind. And it's like you need someone else to look at this thing that you are looking at constantly. And the answer is like right there in front of you, but mm-hmm. you sometimes you need someone else to kind of like help you get there and you work to get there on your own. Well, they help you work to get there. So that you feel empowered by it and not reliant on the therapist. Because that's the thing that you don't want. You don't want somebody to be reliant on you. You have to be a manufacturer of your own happiness. 
Definitely. And that goes right into this meme where, you know, you, you're you responsible for your own, your own happiness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this perfect partner is not going to just be this fountain of love and affection that yeah. is just going to feed you eternally and it's their job to keep doing it. Yeah. And if they don't or if they stop or if they go through anything themselves, they don't really love you. So there's a little grain of truth to the fact that we, we normalize shitty-ass toxic relationships. Oh, yeah. All the time. However, the honeymoon phase is a real fucking thing. Oh, yeah, that NRE is real. Science has proven that our brains are like on drugs when we're in love. That first six months to 1.5 years, our brains are on drugs. That is not a sustainable feeling. Yeah. It doesn't last. And like that part of it, that drug-induced, I see no fault, this person is perfect, you know, uh, my libido's cranked up to a thousand, like all of it, like that's not, they don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I just melt when they walk into a room. That is a point that you, like you can rekindle some of it. Like it's, I'm, I'm not saying that we should normalize that's the peak and everything else is the valley. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying, but it's dangerous to think that that's going to last forever and to basically tell someone that they picked the wrong person if it doesn't last forever. Yeah, is this not a true measure of a healthy relationship when you're just going off of NRE? Because we live long lives. Long lives in a very short amount of time, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just like you go through so many changes throughout life. So it's like it was a time when I was in like third grade. I had this really hard crush on this girl, right? Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, I used to think that I could never love anybody else because I mm-hmm. love her so much, right? And I was just like, oh, I'm so in love with her. Like fourth, third, fourth, fifth grade, all through elementary school, and you know, if I would have kept that same framework of mine, like that's so unrealistic to to just like be that zeroed in, right? right. And and knowing that I was gonna grow up and see women differently as I grew up and like mm-hmm. find different things attractive or yeah. And I think we get really addicted to that desire. Mm-hmm. Where as soon as you have it and it's quote unquote yours, yeah. what's to want? You exactly. can't you can't want what you have. Exactly. That's where mating and captivity really uh, comes into play. Because mm-hmm. you're, uh, yeah, like, not this sounds bad because I'm using like it sounds like really male language here, but you know if we are hunters of some sort you know or whatever like if you're getting your food or you're getting fed or you're you're being satisfied um you know where you don't feel like you have to go out and press or something like that then 
I think the drive just kind of drops and then yeah, you start taking it for granted. Yeah. And then like someone else comes along that is a little bit different than your partner. Not big difference maybe, but they might just enjoy doing something that the other partner doesn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then you start falling for them. Yeah. Cause but, at the end of our day, our brains love like novelty too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and we can find, you can find that in a monogamous commitment. Absolutely. But it's this idea that, There's no picking the right partner and you won't have to work at any of this, right? Like, it's it's hard maintaining desire and getting close to someone, but also far enough, to, far enough away to see them as this different and unique person that is mm-hmm. always changing in front of your eyes. And, you know, you have these commitments and you trust people and you make life plans with people. Mm-hmm. To inject this kind of fear of they could leave or I don't know them as well as I think I know them. We never fully get into someone else's head. Even if, you know, your lives are very predictable and you get into a zone where... You can predict some patterns though. For sure. But then you start rounding up in your mind to I know that person Mm -hmm. and I have nothing else to learn about them. And that really makes you feel just mm-hmm. stagnant. Yeah, I can see that. And then you start making assumptions that are wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. We've both done it with each other where, you know, I'll say an opinion about something or you'll say an opinion about something and it's like, oh, wow, I, I thought I knew what you were going to say and mm-hmm. I'm totally wrong. Or I thought you would hate this mm-hmm. thing that you actually love. Even for trivial things, you know. Because at the end of the day, the person in my mind, Brian in my mind, is not the real Brian. Yeah. Because I can never know you as deeply as, like, you know yourself. And that's, that's fun. I don't want to know you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we don't, I don't want to know you a thousand hundred percent, because then it's, then you're done. Then there's nothing else. It's kind of like not wanting to know your whole life before it happens if you knew when you were gonna get married and when you were gonna die and how you were gonna die and all those things like it just what is life if you just yeah know everything you have to take the uh what was I doing you gotta take the punches or the twists and turns with life that's what it makes it worth living yeah if it wasn't it would just if everything was predictable and you knew what was gonna happen it would be boring The honeymoon phase is real. Those rose-colored glasses go on. Mm -hmm. And eventually they come off. Mm -hmm. You just get comfortable around people. That's a good thing. That's how you become more intimate and feel more safe and secure in a relationship. Yeah. I think we forget a lot of the times how uncomfortable the honeymoon phase can be. You're a ball of like butterflies and anxiety that comes along with it. But it's one of those really good phases where it's like uh, people just don't want it to end. It is. is. It's like roller coaster butterflies sometimes. But it is. But that's not a feeling you want to constantly be in. Mm -hmm. 
how do you uh well maybe this is something to put up for the podcast next time how do you control who you fall in love with do you feel like you can control that no you don't feel like you could purposely put certain things in place so that you don't fall in love with someone no yeah I don't think there's any foolproof methods. I think that you can create habits that might give you better or worse results. You know, if you're fishing in the same pond, if you're going to the same club, meeting the same kind of people, if you notice some sort of pattern, you know, maybe you can change your behavior and it might give you a different result, but it's it's not foolproof, you know. Um, You can notice I don't know you know if because there's also this point before you fall in love I think you can get better at discerning some of the people in the early swiping stages or the early conversation stages before you're really wrapped up in the NRE Mm And pay really close attention to some of those flags or some of those little annoying things that you would normally just kind of look past. Hmm. And see if if y'all are compatible. In certain ways, right? So... Yeah. If a dude's first message to me is just emojis... I could go down that road. And it could lead to what I thought it was going to lead to. Mm-hmm. Or I could just say nope and move on, no matter how cute he is. Cut it off early. But not, none of it saves me from anything else. You know what I mean? What do you think? In my mind, it feels like that you can do things to try to like pick at certain things to make you not pursue someone further like I like like even like shallow reasons like I've I've had oh, friends yeah. that that's do like that that's like your uh like, and like what the monk talks to you about whatever mm-hmm. when you're having trouble with a desire, desire. that you don't want to have you kind of just take them apart yeah piece by piece until you don't like them yeah so I think that people can people will can and will do that I feel like um, it's all about how you see someone and mm-hmm. and how much value you put into it. That's really what it boils down to. I think. Say more. Like the more value you see in someone, the more you're going to invest the time and and energy or into like. Mm. So you get better at seeing. If you're seeing what you're seeing or if you're seeing potential. Yeah, like you really... Because we put a lot of value in potential. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we confuse potential with the person in front of us. Yeah. And who, where they are right now. And some people look really attractive because you look like, oh, if they just change this, this, and this. Yeah. They'd be great. Mm-hmm. And we go down this road when they have no intention of changing. That, that, and that. Very true. Let us know how you feel. Does the honeymoon phase exist? 
Should we stop normalizing the loss of affection in relationships? Is the loss of affection a choice? Or a phase? What is it? All right. Well, thanks for rocking with us. See you next Wednesday. Meditate on that shit. That is our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed the content. Feel free to email us at queencitypoly at gmail.com for questions about polyamory or relationships in general. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and write us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Queen City Poly comes to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Special thanks to Charlotte-based artist Black Linen for lending us his track New Day, featuring Nige Hood, from his album First Saga, available on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Stream his latest album, Black Linen 3.0, on Spotify right now. You're welcome.